the theme of the talk tonight is suffering and compassion. Compassion emerges and really springs from a heart and a mind that are deeply rooted in, in care, in kindness, and in understanding. And the Buddha's transmission of the teachings to other beings is rooted in the wish to alleviate suffering because it is possible to bring an end to suffering. And that's what the Buddha saw, sensed, understood. And it's very inspiring for us to know that we have the same capacity to understand our own mind if we look clearly. If we know how to relate to pain in a way that we are not bound by it or inclined to increase it. The word karuna in Pali, compassion in English, etymologically means simply kindness. And it is this kindness that we develop in loving kindness, as you probably know, wishing ourselves well, this deep caring for ourselves and other beings. This caring which allows one to feel peace in our heart and in our mind. And it is the same foundation of care, of kindness, that evolves when we are faced with suffering. And it is this foundation that helps compassion to come forth. So it is the same kindness that when there is suffering within ourself or around us, that enables the heart to open. This means that we witness the pain. It means that we deeply wish for ourselves and other beings to be free from this pain. Free from the pain not by pushing it away, by really meeting ourselves truly with what is happening. And this potential that is available for us is present in every moment. No matter what the conditions are, there's a possibility of encountering ourselves whatever the suffering, whatever the level of dukkha that is present. Chogyan Trungpa says this. He says, When there is pain, loving kindness gives birth to a natural compassion. The compassionate heart holds the pain and sorrow of our life and of all beings with tenderness. It is this tender heart that has the power to transform the world. Nothing else. 
meaning that he gives a great value to tenderness, to kindness. And probably, if we see so much suffering in the world today, we may question the level of kindness that is still present. So compassion meets the pain and brings care. And loving kindness, loving tenderness, warms up the heart. So in a way, they're really the same thing. They're the two sides of the same hand. And they serve each other. They each hold a purpose of opening the heart. We open to our suffering, our pain, what level it is doesn't really matter. And it is that loving heart that will enable the meeting. And we wonder, why is it that compassion is not the spontaneous, immediate response in our heart when we're faced with pain? It's a question that I often ask myself when I'm on the cushion, just to sense what is it that is preventing us from feeling that deep care immediately when we're faced with this pain. And we can see that in the world, how great the suffering is. And no matter how painful it can be, it's not easy to know how to go about healing the world and its suffering. But often the natural response will be one which is equal to our own meeting in our heart. That means that if we truly look within ourselves, then that will enable the possibility of also looking in the same way outwardly. And sitting here, it may be really easier to know exactly what is happening. What is this process? Through our awareness of suffering, we open to it. We open to the dukkha, the pain that is in our bodies, in our hearts, and in our minds. Now, it's true that we first try, and that's an important piece here, we first try not to feel the pain. And of course, that may seem quite irrelevant, yet we do this again and again. We do not want to feel the pain because it is unpleasant. And so there is a denial, an avoidance, a running away. And I think that we each know our strategies, at least if we do, it means that we've already gone quite some ways on the path. 
because it requires that we really look closely to know the strategies, the defense system that we use to stay closed. What are the strong habits that we have installed? Often unconsciously, and this needs to be seen in the consciousness. And so, a time like this one is a wonderful opportunity to open up just to recognize the reality of our relationship to ourself and the relationship to our pain. And often, it's difficult to know how to move on from that place of defense system. How do we treat ourselves? How do we move on? How do we transform these strong habits? Often we hold back. Or we force ourselves, we push ourselves forward thinking that if we get rid of the pain, then we'll succeed. Three years ago, I practiced in this hall, in this center, at the Forest Refuge. I ordained with Saira Upandita, and it was a wonderful opportunity to renounce path of renunciation that was really total in my mind and that required the greatest of discipline. And it seemed that I had this strong sense of willingness to look really closely at what was happening. And being ordained, I vowed to use the highest discipline. And very soon, I found myself with excruciating pain in both my hips. And it was amazingly surprising to notice that because I had taken the vow, because that was that strong resolve of just being the warrior, more and more tension was building up. Not only was there pain in the hips, there was pain in the heart and the mind, and a huge amount of suffering was present. And the more I could feel the suffering, the less I knew how to deal with it, the less I knew how to cope with what was happening. And there was a true disconnection at one point. When one morning I had realized that I could not sleep whole night because of that pain in the hips. And I realized then that there was clearly something wrong in the relationship to myself. And a great insight arose, and I just noticed how much the pain came from the sense of wanting to be a warrior. So disciplined, so much force was used, leading to more aversion and more non-acceptance. The greatest of all challenges then was to humbly, to 
really allow myself to begin again and to accept with humility of heart, not the strength of heart of a warrior, but the openness of a delicate flower and to allow the heart to feel the pain that had been really emerging and reinforcing itself over the days. That change allowed to understand that there was no other way than the softening of the heart. And from that point on, I was able to just bear with the pain in such a different way. It's not that the pain had gone away. It was just a different sense of holding myself. And for many of us, we go through this process of opening by understanding that there's another way than force or pushing away. But it's the experience, it's really the experiencing and going through this process that makes us understand that it's not the way, or at least not the best way. Herman Hess says, you know quite well deep within you that there is only a single magic, a single power, and a single salvation. And that is called loving. Well then, love your suffering. Do not resist it. Do not flee from it. Give yourself to it. He says, it is only the aversion that hurts. Nothing else. It's only the aversion that hurts. And that, when we hear this, it really brings a sense of ability to work with what is happening. If it's only the aversion that hurts, then there's a possibility of dealing with the pain of aversion. That is mental. It's in our mind. It has nothing to do with the pain of the body. So how does this movement away from suffering happen? Why is it that we're so closed off, that we shut down in a way that is so obvious, so immediate? Well, we simply don't like to feel the sensations of hurt. And therefore, there's this whole way that we pretend, that we ignore, that we avoid to feel what is just present. And that is already the beginning of the painful strategy. We don't know it. We're trying to find ways out. Yet, this is exactly where already the process of avoidance is one of pain because of the aversion that is present.
And often that's the first step and the first layer. And we play around. We kind of move from the breath to a bodily sensation and come back to the breath knowing that that's the anchor. But it's not always understood that something else is happening at the level of resistance. And so we play around at two levels, usually finding stillness or rest in one place and another place trying to work with what is happening at the most obvious level. Yet this is not where the aversion is present. And therefore, the strategies are other forms of resistances where we see that we try to give a glance, we just take a glance of the aversion and try to see it, not for what it is, not to open to it, but in order to get rid of the pain. And that's the working of the aversion. That's exactly how aversion works, pushes away. So we take a glance of pain, whatever it is, and there's a waiting there. There's a hope for it to be different. And that's very common. It's a very common way that we have to deal with difficult situations. Now, this attitude is clearly not one of open-heartedness because full open-heartedness would be to just see and allow to feel the pain just as it is, not to have strategies of avoidance. So we need to move and to shift the attention, the awareness, to the mental resistance and to notice clearly the attitude that is in the mind. The attitude of the mind and to move away from body pain or whatever pain that we're feeling and to notice the resistance itself, the reaction of dislike. the unpleasantness itself. And just acknowledge that fully, as fully as we can. This requires a conscious shift and a greater spaciousness in the awareness, even a greater spaciousness in our own environment that opening the space of awareness to welcome different experiences in. When there's resistance in the mind, compassion cannot arise. Because there's some kind of closed-off feeling, which is painful. But that closed-off feeling cannot take the pain in, whereas compassion can. That is precisely the difference between the conditioned habit that we have 
abusing our patterns, instead of just welcoming and seeing things as they are. Now we need to find our own pace for this. And it's important to know how much we can respect ourselves in the workings in relationship to these resistances. Because here again, there can be a sense of wanting to push and not respecting the resistance means that we are only inclining the mind and heart to stay in stiffness. So our way is to understand here the experience and the feeling of how we reach out for something else, how we want to grasp at something else that will free me from what is happening. And that sense of reaching out will always be a disillusion. It will always disappoint us because there's no possibility of having a sense of compassion when we're reaching out for something else than what is happening. So noticing all the habits that appear in the mind, really being aware of this process as fully as we can and yet respecting the pace that we use to do this. Tartan Tulku says, compassion arises naturally as the quivering of the heart in the face of pain. Ours and another's. True compassion is not limited by the separateness of pity, nor by the fear of being overwhelmed When we come to rest in the great heart of compassion, we discover a great capacity to bear witness to and hold dear with our own vulnerable heart the sorrows of the world. Now, it's interesting that he says that true compassion is not limited by the separateness of pity nor by the fear of being overwhelmed. And pity often comes in this process of relation to the pain. Pity comes because of the feeling of insecurity. At least that's how I've seen it so clearly, that when there's insecurity or vulnerability, well then, that creates an image of self that is often miserable. It's that kind of feeling of poor me which comes forth. And that easily brings us to drown into the pain. And it creates a greater mental burden within ourselves. That mental burden comes from resisting the fact that we don't want to feel pity. 
Often in pity, we're lost with the judging mind. And that judging mind, we think, is often the image that we have is of others. If we have pity, there are others that will not love us as we are, feeling so miserable. And if we feel this way, then we need to look closer. I'm feeling so much pity for myself, and there's no way that I can be lovable feeling this way. And in fact, if we look closer, we come to understand that there's an unwillingness to experience pain that is making us not acceptable. That's, it's the unwillingness to really feel the pain that makes us think that we are unacceptable. At our own eyes. And if we see that, then that's exactly the place where we can shift and open our heart to feel acceptable just as we are with the pain. And then compassion can come in. Pity is very close to compassion. And it's clearly part of the process of opening to suffering. It's one of the layers that we're obvious that we're going to meet. That sense of poor me within the process. Yet, it's not fully sensing the suffering and openness and acceptance. But there is already a connection there. It's not that we're totally disconnected from what is happening. Therefore, with awareness and continuity of mindfulness and kindness towards the pain, it shifts from non-acceptance to acceptance. And that image of myself in pity just drops away. And the heart can just open to the vulnerable feeling, to that insecurity. And it's okay to feel then insecure. Because there's that tenderness of heart that can be present and that can hold the part that is suffering. Clearly, in that process, we move here from pretense to truth. It is the ability that allows us to find a greater strength within ourselves and a new energy within that process of moving forward. There's life again, instead of feeling totally deadened. That new energy just makes the armor, the defense system, a little more, a little less hard, a little less present. And the feeling of being closed off dissolves. The second aspect that he talks about is the fear of being overwhelmed. And clearly, fear is one of the most powerful conditioning factors that prevents us from opening, that keeps us closed. 
And we all experience fear in our practice at one moment or another. This is the truth of what is. And we need to experience that fear to be able to feel our suffering. Now with fear, when there's a beginning of that presence of that feeling, very often there's a denial, a great wanting to avoid the feeling of fear itself because it's scary. So it's out of the compassion that we explore the fear. Whether the fear is one of pain, whether the fear is one of loneliness, and it's probable that we'll feel lonely in a situation like this one, there are moments we'll feel extremely lonely. And yet, that's exactly the best, the most beautiful opportunity to not run away and to really see what is this loneliness? How does it feel? It may lead me to feel the fear of fear. Or the fear of death. And often we come to that ultimate sense of fear that if the sense of self kinds of drop away and we don't control the practice in a way that is so strong and let things be, that sense of self just dissolves at a moment or another. And that's when fear comes in. Now, what do we do when fear comes? How do we relate to fear and compassion with gentleness? Well, it's important to know its nature. And again, there's no other secret than the one to really pay close attention, to know the nature. What does it mean to feel the fear in the body? What is the vibration, the texture? Or maybe it's also accompanied by a mind state that we need to look into closely, so closely, that we will see that maybe it doesn't correspond to the idea that I had of fear before feeling it. Often the feeling of fear in the moment is not making us so fearful. Fear is exactly that thing that is big when there's an idea about the fear. But when we're in the reality of the experience, we can see that it's not that big. And there's a possibility then of the mind, the heart, to disidentify with that emotion. And it's not challenging like we thought it would be. It's workable, like any other emotion, like sorrow, like sadness. Fear is just 
present. And when it's workable, we can feel its energy and feel also the release of that energy as there's an openness happening in the sense of a greater welcome, a greater acceptance. In all those moments, there's wisdom that is present. And wisdom allows us to take the risk, to move from the known to the unknown. It's wisdom, it's understanding clearly what is happening in our process, in our close attention that gives us the willingness to just take one more step into the unknown. Now, this won't happen all at once. It's a process that we're going to maybe make one step forward, and then we'll make three steps behind, backward, in the way that that's the edge that Miyoshin talked about in her last talk. And I won't go into that, because she really explained very well that edge where we're feeling the resistance and we're moving forward and we can take a moment to rest and pause just to notice what is happening in that area where things are happening for us. That's very different from shutting down or ignoring or distracting ourselves by doing things other than just inviting ourselves to sense more clearly and go deeper into ourselves. And when we are overwhelmed, well, that is exactly where we need to look. Can we feel just what it feels like to be overwhelmed? This can be included in the process, and it's the only way that the heart will move towards looking closer rather than back off. The heart often isolates itself or shuts down when there's something that is overwhelming. Yet awareness and really noticing the attitude in the mind of staying present enables us to work right at the place of the emotion of feeling overwhelmed. The Dalai Lama says, you must deal with adversity, face it, but absolutely do not fall into despair. That is the worst you can do for yourself. He says, then the battle is lost. It doesn't matter what it is you have to face what type of suffering it is that is manifesting. Just don't fall into despair. When we sense that there's a possibility of working with whatever it is that is apparent, we begin to learn the way to free the mind from the entanglements 
And not only that, but we begin to trust awareness itself. We begin to trust the knowing of what is happening. And therefore, the resistance to the unpleasant situations or the difficult situations just loosens up. So this understanding comes in the face of suffering, of dukkha, towards body pain, towards our mind states, our emotions. And everything that we are discovering here will clearly be a possibility of meeting and having the ability to meet difficult situations with people in the outer world, in the relationship to others, because it's exactly the same process that is unfolding. And if we really clearly see our own, we'll begin to understand and to open that sometimes the behavior of someone else comes from the same resistances that we feel ourselves at times. And the pain of our own heart is exactly the same in the pain of another being's heart. It's the same conditioning that happens. Therefore, it gives us a greater capacity to open to the suffering that lies beneath the surface of other beings. And we understand where they come from if we're hurt by others. And then we care and we're concerned to alleviate the suffering that is caused from misunderstanding. Now this is enabling us not to feel separate within ourselves, and also to understand the circumstances the best we can. This is how we hold within ourselves this heart of compassion when we accept the feeling of pain itself. And this depth of compassion has no limit. It's totally boundless. There's a story that the Dalai Lama relates when he meets a friend. It's an elder Tibetan monk who had fled from Tibet to rejoin the Tibetan community in exile after spending 20 years in Chinese prisons and labor camps. He says two decades in which he had faced unimaginable suffering, brutality, isolation, and a lot of fear. 20 years of prison and labor camp. And the Dalai Lama asks him, when he arrives in India, he 
says, were there ever times when your life was truly in danger during these 20 years? And the monk paused, and he answered, oh, there were only a few occasions when I really sensed that I was facing real danger. And those were the times when I was in danger of losing my compassion for the Chinese. Meaning that it wasn't the fear of losing his own life. It was the fear of losing his compassion. Now, when we hear these words, I don't know about you, but I really truly feel totally humbled. Humbled by this monk's immense courage to face adversity. Immense suffering. But I also feel totally inspired because if it's possible to transform the human heart and mind like he did, it's also possible for us. It's the same nature of human heart and mind. And that can give us a perspective of how deep practicing compassion can lead towards. Now, Teach Natan says that compassion is a verb, meaning that it's an action, it's an expression. And when we manifest this willingness to truly have the courage of heart to inspire ourselves so deeply to really meet and sense the full range of conditioning and to free ourselves from that conditioning, then we can meet ourselves fully. Just in that way we understand the whole process of the human nature. We understand what the human causes for suffering. We understand that it's our resistance, and only that resistance, the aversion, that binds us. And we also understand that that aversion to suffering keeps us in unpleasant feeling. And we also understand a third level, which is that wanting pleasant feelings, and that's what we usually deal with most of the time, wanting pleasant feelings is just the desire to avoid the painful ones. And so all of these truths are seen just in the clarity, in the wisdom of facing ourselves here, moment after moment. What do we need to do? Just stay present. Just stay steady. Continuous.
not by force, in a relaxed, alert way, yet in a wholehearted presence. And when we do shut down, well, we notice that we have shut down. Not to blame ourselves, not to judge ourselves for not being open, but that's exactly where we need to meet ourselves. If there's blame, open to the blame with compassion, with a heartfelt feeling of acceptance rather than aversion. Knowing that everything changes, everything, absolutely none of our experience remain. And when we begin to see this very directly, that's exactly when we allow ourselves to trust awareness. The mental resistances are a little less strong because we know that it will change. And therefore, there's a possibility of greater trust. Now, how is this happening? In one moment, it will maybe mean to meet and just to accept the resistance, to really truly see where is the resistance. What is my attitude in the moment? To know the aversion fully, to feel it in the body, to sense it, if it's in the fact that we're feeling some unpleasantness. In another moment, it will be to accept the resistance. And that's the awareness. To know the version and to hold it with care. And maybe the next moment, it will be to feel the hurt of the heart that is holding on. And maybe another moment, it will feel it will be to feel the hurt of the heart that is not willing to open. All these are experiences that can be met and are part of the process where we stay present and steady and we're not running away. In each one of these moments, compassion is present. Compassion in the relationship to what is happening. We don't need to have a different experience. Just what is my attitude towards what is happening? Can we hold ourselves in tenderness? I'd like to close with a saying from Pema Chodron, who says, when you begin to touch your heart, or yet, or let your heart be touched, you begin to discover that it is bottomless, that it doesn't have any resolution, that this heart is huge, it's vast, and it's limitless. And therefore, you begin to discover how much warmth and gentleness there is, as well as how much space. This is 
the work that we're doing here. Let's sit for just a few seconds. <laughs> 